Hello. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm Drew McKenna. And I'm Deborah McKenna. And this podcast is all about getting to know Jesus in his cultural context of first century Israel, where he lived, what he taught, and what does it all mean for us who follow him today? You know, when I looked at the amount of information we've learned about Jesus, I start to feel snowed under by it all. So where are we going to go with this today? Well, considering we live in Colorado, and every winter we are often snowed under for a day or so, you've probably picked an idiom which describes how many of us feel. Here in Colorado, we have two choices. Assuming we have enough food, we can just wait and hope the snow melts quickly. Or you, honey, can get out the shovel and dig us out. I noticed you said I can dig us out. But on this podcast, you and I will help dig and make straight paths towards getting to know the one we love, Jesus. And that brings us to our topic, the idioms used by Jesus and those around him. Why is it important and probably essential to begin to understand the idioms recorded in our Bibles? Well, you started with a simple idiom, snowed under. And I would assume most, if not all of us who live in the United States, would understand what that meant. But if you said the same thing to someone who grew up and lives in a remote tropical island and has never seen or experienced snow or a snowstorm, I would imagine they would have no idea what you were talking about. Just think, if you said to some or one of Jesus' disciples, don't let his teaching cause you to be snowed under, well, I'm sure They know what snow is because, yes, it does occasionally snow in Israel, but they would have no idea what was being said or what you meant by that saying. Okay, let's start with the idiom that was really common in Jesus' day. If your eye is clear, but if your eye is bad. You know, when we understand how this common Hebraic idiom was used in the first century Israel, Jesus' teaching becomes clear and we can better understand his message. You're referring to a text from Matthew 6, aren't you? Yes, I am. But what I left out was the context of the teaching Jesus was giving when he mentions the good eye and the bad eye. What was he teaching about? Well, in Matthew 6, the main subject is giving and the reasons behind doing so. This idiom was derived in part from Deuteronomy 15, 7-11 where God gives instructions to his people. Because there is poor among you, don't harden your heart or close your hand, but freely open your hand to them and generously lend to him for his need. Be careful not to harbor a wicked thought in your heart, and your eye be hostile towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing. That is a sin to you. Give generously to them. Do so without a grudging heart. The emphasis is how people see others around them. How do you picture this? Basically, I think if we don't see somebody in need for help, for whatever reason, we have an evil eye. A good eye sees the need, while a bad eye or evil eye ignores those in need and keeps everything for themselves. Here's a really simple example. Let's say we're out hiking, and we come across a person who's slipped and is just barely hanging onto the edge of a cliff. If they let go, they're surely going to fall to their death. What should we do? 
Of course, we should extend our hand to them and help them. However, what if I see this person hanging by the tips of their fingers and I think, boy, if I extend my hand and help them, they might drag me down the cliff and I too will die. I think I'll just keep walking and act like I didn't see them. Wouldn't that be an evil or a bad eye? In your example, to knowingly leave that person to die is definitely an evil not eye. But seeing people in need is not always so obvious. I think the simplest answer is a good or clear eye is someone who's generous with their things. In contrast, a bad or evil eye is someone who's stingy. Proverbs 28.22 helps us understand it in this way. A man with an evil eye rushes after wealth. He only sees how things will benefit him, him and disregards the needs of others. So if a bad, excuse me, if a person has a bad or evil eye, it is an idiom saying they only think about themselves. They're stingy. So let's go to Matthew 6 and in context make a list of what Jesus taught. Don't practice your righteousness so others will see you. Why? Because if you do, it's all about me. What I love is Jesus immediately provides a list of common things for people to do when practicing righteousness. Would you let our listeners know what they are? Okay, here's what I see. Don't give so others see that you gave. While praying, don't make a show of it. And do not fast so that others see you are fasting. Don't selfishly hoard wealth on earth and don't be a servant to that wealth. To me, he's saying our eyes, good or evil, give us an indication of who we love, God or ourselves. If we see the needs of others, it could be that we're beginning to see things in the same way as Jesus. So our first idiom is a good or a bad or evil eye. And it's used to say one is either generous or stingy with their possessions. The practical application that Jesus appears to teach is being stingy is any time our actions, even our good actions, are really all about us and not helping those in need. You mentioned one of your favorite Hebrew idioms is to bind and loose. From Matthew 18, let's talk about that one for the remainder of our show. Why is that one one of your favorites? In my early years, I heard people using this phrase or idiom in their prayers. They would do it to bind things in their lives or to prevent evil spiritual powers from hurting someone or something, or then to loose the power of God to protect them. But when I read it in context, that just doesn't seem to make sense. And then, like a light was turned on while studying the words of Jesus in the context of his day, I found out this is a common Hebrew idiom. In fact, it's even used today by rabbis in some Christian denominations in the correct way. Could you share with us the correct usage of the idiom, to bind or to loose? Sure. Basically, to bind something means to prohibit it, and to loose is to permit it. Its meaning is how one interprets and applies the instructions given by God and the authority to do so. In a synagogue, the rabbi has the authority to bind and loose how the community will apply God's instructions. In a Christian church, the pastor does the same thing. However, 
it must be noted the authority to bind and loose of the pastor or the rabbi is actually limited by the one who gave it to them. In the case of Christian pastors, their authority comes mainly from the denomination they represent and the rabbi, the school from which they graduated. In Hebraic terms, this authority is known as smika. And the question of where Jesus received his authority was asked several times by those who heard his teachings. But we'll cover that subject of authority in a future podcast. But let's get back to our idioms. All right. Let's see if we can get this straight for our listeners and avoid rabbit trails. If to bind means to prohibit and loose to allow, what is being prohibited or allowed? Give us some examples. I think most of our listeners would agree the Bible is full of rules and instructions. The problem is how does one apply those instructions to our current situation? I think, for instance, the easiest example of the instructions is not to work on the Sabbath. For most of us, the whole idea of work means getting up in the morning and doing something to earn a living for our family and self. So to not work means not to go to work and to have a day off. But to a Jewish person, to work means so much more than a simple act of making a living. And this is where the teachers and leaders with authority apply bind or prohibit and loose or permit or allow. So binding or loosing then is basically interpreting and making application for God's instructions in a daily and practical manner. Yes. Staying with the question of work, here's a simple question. What does it mean to work in the context of God's instruction? Well, the fourth commandment, not to work on the Sabbath, is kind of vague. If we go back to where we first see someone ceasing to work on the Sabbath, it's God. He rested on the seventh day, Saturday, the Sabbath, after creating or working for the previous six days. At its simplest or lowest level, the idea of work is tied to the idea of creation. Then, to not work is all about not creating or making something. Yes, and I think we see it throughout the scriptures. But let's say it's the Sabbath, and we find there's something that uh, we're not sure about. Is it work? Is it not work? What should we do? We need to go to our rabbi and ask. Then the rabbi has authority to either allow or prohibit that within their community. A biblical example of that would be, yes, you may milk your cow, but plow your fields tomorrow. I think the irony of this is it allows for differing points of view on what may be called the non-essentials from community to community. This is the authority Jesus gave Peter to either prohibit or allow something not perfectly clear in the Bible, the instructions God gave his people. Then to bind or loose isn't some super spiritual thing at all. It's God giving his people the freedom within the limits of his instructions to decide how they will live and apply them to daily life. Deborah, can you sum, excuse me, can you sum up the two idioms we've talked about today and what they mean to you? Sure, I'd love to. To have a good eye means you're a generous person. To have an evil or bad eye means you are a stingy person. To bind means to prohibit, and to loose means to permit or allow. 
In the future podcasts, we will tackle what it means to have authority, or in Hebrew, smika. We need to keep in mind that these idioms were commonly used in Jesus' day, and his audience would have understood them. But because we are so far removed in time and in culture, they've been forgotten. Okay. So what idiom are we going to discuss in our next podcast? The idiom of abolish and fulfill. It's recorded in Matthew 5 where Jesus said, Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. I'm actually excited to tackle this one with you, and I hope our listeners will join us. I'm personally looking forward to it myself. Do you know what I have to do this week? (laughs) Know what? I have to keep my eye clear. It's always about doing, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Our conversation today is just the tip of the iceberg on the subject of Hebraic idioms. And for those who want to know more, they want some resources, please go to our webpage, graftedbranches.org. On on it, you will find Hebraic Roots of Christianity. You can find links to websites, books, etc. So go to that uh, website. That's graftedbranches.org. And until next time, we're going to leave you with this. Get to know him, know what he taught, walk with him, and live it.